You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Grace. And hey, it's Sarah. And today we are going to continue diving into some of these cases that may be connected in the Pittsburgh area. So if you remember our episode on Shelley Reidenbach, you'll remember that I mentioned a similar case in the Pittsburgh area, which is that of Christine or Chris, as she was called, Gunther. Today we're going to dive into her case. So first of all, I did look up the name. I listened to newscasts and I actually found um, I think it was a web sleuths post or something that Christine's best friend's daughter found and commented on and said it's pronounced Gunther so I'm going off of that as like best friend's daughter I'm assuming she knows how to say the name. Everywhere else, it was kind of, some people said Gunther, some people said Gunther because of that E that's thrown in there. But I'm saying Gunther based on that comment. So if that's wrong, don't yell at me. I only have so many resources at my fingertips. But we're also going to see today that there are links to potentially some other cases that we're also going to cover. And I forget if I mentioned that in Shelly's case or not, but let's dive So Christine grew up and lived in Peters Township, PA, which is in the Pittsburgh area, on a website created by those who love Chris, chrisgunther.webs.com, which is also linked in our blog. This area is described as, quote, rooted in southwestern Pennsylvania. It was a charming area complete with old homes, farmland, and scenic roads. The population lived a quiet and unsuspecting life. Young families found the neighborhoods appealing, and little by little, subdivisions were popping up. Children filled the streets with laughter. They spent hours playing tag, softball, and enjoying the nearby creeks. At night, the crickets filled the evening with a magical rhythmic sound. Lightning bugs lit up the fields. Many people would leave windows open as they slept peacefully through the night. Life was simple. Families were safe. It was the place to live. Only 45 minutes from Pittsburgh, it was close enough to commute to, but far enough for parents to separate themselves from urban dangers. Now, obviously, if we're covering it, there was some sort of danger that was posed at some point. We're going to dive into that in a little bit. And I was really excited when I found this website, hoping it was going to have a lot of really awesome information. Unfortunately, the homepage is the only thing that still has information on it. Mm. Everything else, it looks like the pages no longer load like it just brings up an error and you can't see any of the other pages so there is a lot of great information on that homepage if you're looking for just kind of quick facts about the case i did pull a lot of what we're going to talk about from there um and then just you know verified it with some other sources so good info there just none of the other pages on the site work if you do decide you want to check that out so at the time that she went missing chris was a junior in high school Her mom describes her as, quote, sharp-tongued and strong-willed with little concern for nice things. She was tomboyish and played tennis well. So she had an early dismissal from school that day, but told a friend that she was going to call her later about the Steelers game. She and this friend had plans to go to the Steelers game at Three Rivers Stadium that night. Three Rivers Stadium is what is now known as PNC Park. Back at this time, the Steelers and uh, Bucks 
sports played on the same field because football and baseball don't overlap seasons. So they did play on that same field. Now we have Heinz and PNC, or not Heinz, whatever it's renamed to. They're still Heinz. Acrisure or whatever. Oh. Um, they, it just got renamed like last week or two weeks ago. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Like super recent because it's when I was in North Carolina because the friend I was with is from Pittsburgh and she mentioned it. Oh, okay. It all over her Facebook, which that's fair. <laughs> um. Anyway, so they were going to Three River Stadium, um, which is now PNC Park. Still same area as Heinz, but whatever. When Chris left school that day, she was heading to a doctor's appointment. She went to a bus stop and awaited her ride, but it never came. From there, honestly, we really don't know a whole lot, which kind of falls in line with what happened with Shelly. And um, we're going to see that's really what happens in the other cases that are all thought to potentially be connected here as well, um, which I'll get into a little bit later. So all we know is that she didn't make it home. So she didn't make it to the game with her family and she was not seen again until her body was discovered. So this is a murder. The other cases related to Chris's case are all just missing persons. Um, She is the only confirmed murder, I believe, unless there is a sixth one that I have not yet discovered that is also linked. Um, But the other four that we'll talk about are all missing. She's the only one that they actually found a body. Now, there were a few possible sightings of her the day after she was declared missing, but they were never confirmed. She went missing on Monday, October 26th, and then she was found, her body was found that Saturday on October 31st. So, And this um, is what year? Sorry. 1981. Okay. Yeah. So when they found her body, she was found in South Fayette in Allegheny County, but she had last been seen in Washington County. That being said, she was very close to the county lines. So it wasn't a, you know, it's not like she went from Allegheny County to, you know, like Montgomery County. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she was still in the same general area. When she was found, it was also very obvious that she had been beaten and bludgeoned to death. Oh, my God. Yeah. So newspapers noted that she was supposed to have her doctor's appointment the previous week. I think that Thursday. I forgot to write it down. But she had to reschedule for whatever reason. Stuff comes up. It happens. You know, she had to reschedule. So originally that previous Thursday, her mom was going to take her to the appointment. But when it got rescheduled, she wound up having to take the bus because her mom was not able to take her on Monday. I'm assuming it was just, you know, mom's work schedule that she was able to be off that Thursday, but she had to work on Monday. Um, Sure. And sometimes that's just life. So you figure out ways around it. And with a 15 year old in the 80s, put him on a bus. It's not that big of a deal. Even now, you know. As long as you've kind of got your phone to communicate with people, 15-year-olds can can pretty much survive on their own to go to a doctor's appointment or whatever. Now, because of this, her mom does really struggle with playing the what-if game. Like, what if she had been home to take her to the doctor's appointment? Or what if she had let Chris stay home that day like she had asked because Chris had an ear infection and she had been on medication for it and that's what she was going to see the doctor for just to kind of check up, make sure... The antibiotic was working the way it was supposed to be. And Chris had just said, like, can I just stay home? I don't feel great. And then just go to the doctor. 
but um, she did make her go to school. How many times as a 15-year-old did I call or text my mom in the morning and say, I don't feel good when I really just didn't want to go? Sure. Like, you know, it's it's a teenager thing to do. So, you know, her mom kind of encouraged her, you can make it through half of the day and then you're leaving for a doctor's appointment anyway. Why don't you try to go? Again, very similar to what we talked about with Shelly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, try to go see if you'll you'll feel better. And if you don't feel better by midpoint, you're going to the doctor anyway. So, you know, you've got an early out of school. So all of these questions really led to misplaced blame on herself as Chris's mom and just a ton of survivor's guilt. Obviously, we know it's not her mom's fault, but that's just kind of how life goes. You know, we make decisions and most of the time there's not a huge issue, right? If I take a back way to Target instead of the highway, it's not a big deal until the one day there's a huge wreck on the back road, you know? So all of these decisions that you make all the time, like, oh, she can take the bus to her doctor's office or um, no, she needs to go to school. It's what teenagers have to do. It's what you do all the time. You never expect that something is going to happen. Sure. So how would you have known? There's no way. There's just no way for you to have known and make a different decision based on that there's exactly yeah so um you know when you can't do anything else though your mind is going to take over so of course that's where her mom's mind went immediately it's what we would all do or at least it's what you and i would do for absolutely sure. yep. um, now speaking of her family her parents had jobs with great people who supported them and guide them through looking for her when she was missing and also grieving when they found her body. Uh, It's really a horrible situation, obviously, as everything that we do is. But sometimes just kind of having those positive relationships can really make all the difference when you're getting through those sorts of things. And Chris's mom even says, literally, she's quoted as saying that her boss saved her life during that time. Wow. But... Of course, her boss being really helpful and being a good person and a good friend and helping her through all that couldn't bring Chris home alive. So, you know, we still know that they had to grieve and mourn, but at least they had some good support system behind them. Right. Authorities were able to find witnesses who could place Chris in the area where she was waiting for the bus. And there are some different thoughts about what happened with this bus. Um, and there, the way it's most commonly reported is that she was using an old bus schedule. So her timing was off, but she didn't know it when she left the school. Like the bus was on this old schedule, maybe going to pick her up 15 minutes before the new schedule or whatever. Mm -hmm. So she had the times a little bit off. Now, that also being said, when you look at a map, and I should have done this and taken a screenshot of it, I can do it before we post, post on the blog. I just don't have it for you to look at as we're recording. Where she was said to be standing doesn't make sense for the direction she was going. They said she was standing on the side of the street that would be the opposite direction of Pittsburgh. So I don't know if it was a north-south or an east-west street. Okay, yeah. Um, But she was either standing on the north side or the east side when she would want to be going south or west. Okay. Just because of where she lived, she'd want to be going west to get to 
Pittsburgh. So I don't know if she was just confused. It is an area that's a little bit more built up. Nowadays, it's definitely more built up. But even if you, because on Google Maps, you can go back to like archived versions and you can't get the whole way back to the 80s. But as far back as you can go, it's still pretty built up in that area. So I don't know if she just got confused. There was a lot of commotion. Did she take the bus often to other places? Do you know? That I do not know. Okay. I couldn't find anything about that. I looked for that as well, but I couldn't see anything definitive. So I don't know. There were a bunch of witnesses who saw her standing there. Nobody saw her actually get onto a bus, get into a car, talk to anyone or walk away from the stop. So anyone that saw her and was able to place her was able to place her standing apparently in the right spot that they knew she was at the bus stop or like, you know, it may have been an actual bus stop that had like the shelter and bench Uh, and whatever. Right. I don't, again, I don't know what exactly that looked like in the 80s, but no one saw her actually interacting with anybody else or getting into any sort of vehicle, but they did see her there. Now, there was one woman who lived across the street from the bus stop who saw Chris standing in the rain and she grabbed an umbrella, but by the time she was stepping out the door to take the umbrella to Chris, Chris was gone. This woman just kind of assumed that Chris had been picked up by that time and didn't really think anything of it. Now, looking at the area and the houses, at least back into the 90s, as far back as the the Google Maps archive will go, there's not a house in clear view of where Chris is said to have been at that bus stop. So I don't know how much it had changed in that 10 or so years that someone would have had a house and been able to see her from there. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, there must not have been a shelter like we see at a lot of bus stops now in cities if she was going to take an umbrella to her because of rain. Right. So that's also another piece that I'm thinking maybe that's part of why she was a little bit confused or something. Maybe she was looking for something bigger. I have no idea. Sure. But there was a neighbor that saw her standing in the rain. So like I said earlier, Christine's body was found on Halloween 1981. So that was Saturday, October 31st. She was fully clothed. There were no signs of sexual assault or bondage. And she was found in the same clothing she had been wearing that Monday when she went missing. Quick little discussion here about the SA. There were no signs of it, but as far as I can tell, they didn't do an actual kit. So... It's possible that she was a victim of, like, necrophilia or that she was knocked out before anything was done that she couldn't fight back. Just because everything I found only talks about there being no signs of it. But, of course, sometimes, like, if you're not fighting back, there's not going to be many physical signs of it happening, which does not at all mean that it was consensual. But if there was some sort of sexual interaction it may have been after she was incapacitated right but again no kit was done there was no evidence of it but just thinking motive wise it seems kind of weird to just abduct someone and then they show up five days later dead Mm -hmm. so it's something to just kind of keep in the back of your mind when we get into theories but as far as I could tell, there was no actual kit completed. It was just based on signs of an assault from the outside. Gotcha. So as the investigation moved forward, they were able to determine that she was likely killed with a small axe or hatchet. 
according to an article from Pittsburgh Post. Yikes. Yeah. The autopsy report stated that her death was a result of, quote, multiple penetrating wounds of the head and brain, which the coroner believes to have been consistent with that of an axe or hatchet. So I really hope she died quickly. That's all I can say. I I just really hope so, too. I really, really hope so. Like just the the fact that the wording and I don't want to dive too far into it, but the linguist in me is just looking at the exact words they used multiple and penetrating wounds not just of the head but the head and brain yeah so that just seems so incredibly over the top violent not that there's ever like an acceptable level of violence right in a murder, sure but still it's overkill just, uh, literally yeah now this is where it gets a little interesting um, the coroner estimates that she died less than two days before being found. Oh. So she's missing for five days or six days, depending on how you calculate that Monday being partway through the day. Sure. She was in her same clothes and she was only dead two days before she was found. So what happened in those other three days? Right. And we don't know, but we will come back to this idea in a little bit about her time of death but based on the technology and i guess routines the standard routine of the day to figure out time of death based on that is where they came up with the two days thing if it had happened in 2022 we have better technology at this point so that may have been a totally different time of death right now right um that's another area that has just increased rapidly over the past not even just the past 40 years but the past 10 or 20 years mm-hmm. um also i think i've said this before but the fact that the 80s were 40 years ago is disgusting to me <laughs> so the coroner also noted that there were small circular burns on her wrists and abdomen thought to be from a lit cigarette. Oh, my God. And based on the state of the dump site, they believe that it really was just a dump site that she had been killed elsewhere and left in the leaves on the side of the road. Um, because, like I mentioned, she was found off the side of the road. I do have a newspaper clipping on our blog from where she was found, so you can really put it into perspective and you can see a visual of what that looks like. Um, And seeing it really helped me understand how close she really was to the road. Mm -hmm. Because in my brain, I just picture everything as, oh, if they're dumped on the side of the road, it's like woods and they're back in there and it's really far deep. And it I don't think that would be possible for this location. But you guys could take a look on the blog. Grace, that's one of the pictures I sent you okay. the other week. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So adding to what I said about her parents before, um, they are literal saints, I swear. At least from the accounts of the newspapers. I did not actually meet them or talk to them, but based on what they said and how they reacted to things, oh my gosh, I they are just amazing people. Her father was quoted as saying, quote, I want that person who killed Chris to live a long, long life. I'm a peace-loving person. I would like to see him caught and punished. And then he added on later that if he got to talk to this person, he would just ask why. Like, what what is the motive? What happened? Did you know her? Was it random? Why did this happen? He really just wants to know why. Yeah. Um, 
And he does also always refer to her killer as male. Mm-hmm. Um, I, from what I could find, we don't 100% know that. But with just the time period of the 80s, the thought was man overpowers woman. Yeah. And that is just kind of the general thought. So I even imagine um, this entire time I've mm-hmm. imagined it was a male. So I think part of it is that so early in autopsy reports when it's reported, you know, newspapers.com and the, the places where we can find it, they always mention whether SA was involved or not. Yeah. And so I think when I hear that, my automatic assumption is, oh, it must be someone of the opposite gender. Right. That is assaulting in that way or that it's possible that they assaulted in that way. Right. Even though it it very well could be a, a female murderer. That's just kind of our own internal biases from what typically happens. Right. But using the pronoun him here doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a male murderer. Um, it's just kind of the, the general thought. So when quoting other people, they do typically refer to um, the murderer as a male. So let's keep getting a little bit more depressed because that's what we do. Great. That's what I came here for. Fantastic. So in 2009, the department got a grant to revisit cold cases. And the detective in charge was looking for someone to re-examine a piece of evidence. Uh, Sorry, the detective that was assigned this case, not all the cold cases. Okay. Was looking for someone to re-examine a piece of evidence from this case. But before it was able to be re-examined or before he was able to make the connections needed, he died by suicide. Oh, man. So there are no other details about his death. Um, The sensationalist in me wants to say, you know, he was Clinton. But honestly, it's quite possible being in that line of work, you carry demons with you. And as we both know from just our own mental health and people around us that struggle with mental health, sometimes they just can't see another way out of the demons that they carry. Sure. Especially considering this high stress job, like I said, and especially considering he's working this major cold case that everybody cares about. Right. So, hey there, extra pressure. Absolutely. But either way, once we felt that we were finally getting closer to something, we wind up in the same spot. I also could not find details on what piece of evidence he was trying to get reexamined. Okay. That is quite possibly just because they're still trying to reexamine it. So they just don't want that out in the public, which I totally get. Now, that's honestly all I have for the events leading up to finding her body. So we do have some theories, though. Now, some of these are fairly legit, and I could see them being accurate, and some of them are less A so. stretch, maybe? <laughs> but we're going to talk about them. So um, the first thought here is very similar to what we saw with Shelly, and what we've seen with a lot of cases of missing people, especially young people. Um, but it's thought that maybe she just got into a car at the, bu- the bus stop, just not with a stranger. Um, according to her mom, she was far too aware of what could happen with strangers. Um, so her mom says there is absolutely no way she would get in a car with a stranger. Now, this was before the time of like stranger danger and, you know, 
all of those sorts of things really being pushed in schools, really being pushed through parenting. But apparently, you know, Chris was very well aware of what could happen. Now, this was in public. There was no fight or struggle or anything like that. So similar to Shelly, there's a thought that maybe she was offered a ride by someone she knew and that person just had poor intentions. There's also that thought, like I said, that maybe she was waiting on the wrong side of the road at the wrong bus stop or just the wrong place of the intersection or whatever. And she accepted an offer from someone to drive her over to the right bus stop. And I mean, I can kind of see that, right? Like you just pull up and say, you know, you see this young girl, hey, are you trying to get on the bus? The stop's over there. Let me take you over to the actual stop. And why would she not believe you? Like, right. Your destination is in sight of where you're standing. So why would that person harm you? But I think it's definitely possible. Right. So that's one theory, whether it was a stranger or not a stranger, but that, you know, it was someone she was comfortable with or she was just being taken like right across the street. And it was raining, right? Yeah. Okay. So even more reason for someone to offer a ride. Right. Yeah, that's very true. The next theory kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier with time of death. So it is the last week of October in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh gets colder before the rest of the state. Well, I think Erie gets cold the first because of lake effect, but Pittsburgh's not too far. The western side of the state definitely gets cold before central and eastern PA. Mm -hmm. So the thought is maybe she actually was killed Monday or maybe Tuesday of that week, but her body just stayed at the quote unquote right temperature because in the 80s, that's basically how you figured out time of death was body temperature and level of decay. So if she was killed earlier, it's possible that the cold weather just kind of helped. Mm -hmm. I know we've talked about that in other cases, especially cases that involve water, but I don't know. It seems more plausible if she was in water because the water would also be cold. Whereas if you're just in the air, you know, laying on the ground, the air is still going to heat up throughout the day. So it feels like it would still throw those measures off. Right. But... I'm not a pathologist, so I don't know. I know you thought I was a pathologist. I did. I was under the impression. But um, I'm here to tell you a year and a half into the podcast, I'm not. That's disappointing. Um, so anyway, that doesn't really help us with a suspect, but that idea was floating around a couple different places. There was also food found in her stomach from a snack and somewhere it said that the snack was one that she had bought like that day, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they know that, but that's what, and I think that was on Reddit. So I don't know that I fully believe that piece of information. Right. Um, Food in her stomach came from the autopsy report though. The idea of buying a snack that day is what came from Reddit. So we do know that she had eaten recently before dying and that it was a snack and not a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we go with the original thought here that she was abducted Monday and was just held hostage till Thursday and then killed on Friday, found on Saturday, then her captor must have given her a snack on Thursday night at some point. Mm-hmm. 
If not, it's possible that she just ate that snack before getting on the bus to go to the doctor and she actually did die on that day. Right. On that Monday. Um, so just kind of some interesting information that came out through that theory, just kind of factoring in the temperature and also the fact that she did have food in the stomach, which the first thing my brain always goes to is JonBenet Ramsey. Right. Always. Um, with, with the pineapple. So I don't know. It just always seems interesting when they can note food in the stomachs. Mm hmm. Um, another theory that I saw, and this comes straight from Reddit, but it comes from locals. According to these locals on Reddit, at the time of her disappearance and murder, Route 19, which is where Chris would have been waiting for the bus, was a major traffic and trucking hub. So she may have just been running late to get to her appointment in Pittsburgh, missed the bus, was trying to get to the city so maybe she just got in a car and went to her appointment even though her family said she was careful in these situations and i mean it's possible like how often do you say you know oh i would never get in a stranger's car but then if you're really in need of something right you might do what you think you have to do um you know she didn't have a smartphone she could pull out and get an Uber. She couldn't turn on tracking on her phone and send her location to a friend or call anyone to give her a ride or anything like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's possible that she just said, crap, I'm in this situation. How do I get out of it? Sure. And in her mind, maybe it was just, you know, oh, people are mostly good. Someone will take me to the city. It's not a big deal. Mm hmm. So, like I said before, you know, we did talk about that idea in previous episodes that Stranger Danger wasn't really big in schools until the 90s. Um, so maybe she did just think she was in her safe little corner of the world and, you know, she could get 45 minutes to her doctor's appointment. It wouldn't be a big deal. Right. So that's another thought. The next theory then is kind of the connection that I've been mentioning throughout the episode. The idea here is that Chris is just one of the many girls targeted by the same person or group. Um, And I mentioned this idea when we talked about Shelly Reidenbach. And this idea also connects Chris and Shelly to Cherry Mahan. And I can't remember if I mentioned that before, um, but we did cover her case a few episodes back. Well, I wrote it a few episodes ago. So however many episodes ago that is in our actual feed. But we did cover that case already. And then there are two more girls that we will cover in the future. Tony McNatt Chiapetta. And I may be saying her last name wrong. I apologize. I have not looked that one up yet. Um, And Kathleen or Kathy Kelly. So there's not really much more beyond the theory that they're connected. There's not an idea that there would have been one person out for all of them or a group out for all of them or you know there's no evidence of a cult in Pittsburgh at this time or anything like that so I don't exactly know what that connection could mean um, but that's why we're covering all these cases pretty close together um, just so that if there are any connections out there that you guys can think of that you can share them with law enforcement and that might be something that can help solve some of these. So are they thinking maybe just because they're like young girls that went missing and or were murdered around the same time in the same area? Yes. Um, And the way that they all disappeared is very similar. They all basically just disappeared in 
the public eye without a trace. Okay. So as far as I can tell, that's really the connection between them. Um, and I don't know how much of a connection that is, but it's quite possible. I mean, it was a lot easier to get away with things in the 80s than it is now. So I think it's just kind of hard for me to wrap my brain around it. Um, <clears throat> mm -hmm. Mainly because all of my adolescent and adult life, we've had such incredible investigative technology that just wasn't there in the 80s. Right. So I don't know. But as we read, well, as you hear Kathy and Tony's cases, we may see a little bit more of a connection. I have researched Kathy's case. I have not gotten to Tony's yet. But at this point, from the four that I have researched, it seems like it's very vague connections okay basically just they went missing from within the same areas to uh, within the same time period so that's as that's as much as i can see for the connection at this point okay now i was also browsing google and i wound up on the twitter account for a podcast called quest for the killer now i googled that podcast name i went on podcasting apps I tried to click links that I found on this Twitter, and as far as I can tell, it's not an active podcast, and I cannot find any episodes, but they have tweets huh. for whatever that's worth. Now, I will say these last two theories that I'm going to throw at you are wild and out there and interesting, but we're going to throw them out just to talk about them. So when I found this Twitter account... They posited a claim that her dad's position with U.S. Steel, because her father did work for U.S. Steel, he was the assistant to the president or vice president of U.S. Steel. They think that her dad's position with the company had something to do with her murder, but then provided no more details. So I don't know whether that is like they were aiming it at her or it was retribution to her father or somebody was targeting her from outside of the company or I have no clue what is meant by that. But just this idea that the fact that her dad held this higher level position in the Pittsburgh area with U.S. Steel had something to do with that. So. Right. Whatever that's worth. Um, I will say U.S. Steel was very, like I said before, you know, both parents had jobs that were very forgiving and very gracious with the parents. Um, U.S. Steel actually put out multiple different rewards for information. So it wasn't even, you know, rewards that were posted weren't even coming from the family or law enforcement. Like it was from her dad's job that was offering these rewards for information. So I can't imagine somebody involved with the company would target his daughter if they're also then giving money for information. Right. Unless it was just like a disgruntled coworker that did it outside of business dealings um, or, you know, someone from outside the company that was trying to target him. I saw a thought maybe that they were trying to kidnap her, hold her for ransom. Mm -hmm. to kind of extort the family and then um, they were going to release her and that explained why she would have been potentially kept alive for a couple days but there was never any like ransom note there was never anything like that um it's just a thought there's really no like evidence to yeah. support it 
Right. Yeah. So I'm not sure what her dad's position with U.S. Steel could have had to do with it, but that was this thought put out there by this mystery Twitter account. The same Twitter account also posted, quote, the hunter that found Christine Gunther's body just happened to be on property that was posted no hunting, yet his best friend owned 20-some acres just a mile away, end quote. Also, no additional information given. Mm. So I don't actually know what the point of this was. My thought is, are they trying to say that the hunter did it or knew about it and... You know, if the hunter was really just hunting, why wouldn't he be on his friend's land a mile away? But if you own 20 acres, a mile is not that far off from like your total property. So this friend very well could have just been like walking trails on the property and just wandered a mile away. Like, yeah, I could be I could be talking or thinking about something and wander and be like four miles in a walk like i mean i walk in circles so it's not long distance but yeah still i mean a, a mile's not that far especially when you're just like looking for a hunting site yeah Maybe he thought it was his friend's property like i yeah i don't know or even if he um, said like screw it i don't care that it's posted no hunting like that doesn't mean that you <laughs> murdered a human on this property right yeah i mean i mean also you know i've said many times i've grown up in perry county and it didn't necessarily matter if you wanted to hunt you'd find a place and if it was posted and the person that owned the property got mad you had to deal with it but yeah if they you know kind of the the mindset that it's it's only illegal if you get caught yeah so just don't get caught um and I couldn't find much information about the hunter himself. We do know that he was a guy, but other than that, I couldn't find a whole lot of information. But it's also not worth digging up his name and running his name through any sort of mud. Sure. That dude is traumatized for life after finding a dead body. So Yeah, of a child. Let's not make it worse. Right. Um, so that is really all of the theories I could find. Like I said, those last two, I totally understand are just off the wall crazy, but they were crazy to a level that I wanted to bring it up. Sure. It was just very interesting that that's where these thoughts came from with absolutely zero follow up. Yeah. So... Um, law enforcement and the friends and family of Chris are asking for anyone with information to call in, no matter how small or insignificant that information seems to be. Um, the police chief in Peters Township says that even though this case is old, it is absolutely solvable with just the right piece of information. And that piece of information could be as tiny as one single sentence, one single observation. So if you do know anything or have heard family stories passed down, anything like that, um, please reach out to Allegheny County Homicide at 412-473-3000. That's all we have for this episode of the Keystone Cold Cases Podcast. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by me, Sarah. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. 
theme music and production assistance from Darren Makins. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out. <laughs>